0: All right, we have Brady Lynch back on the show now. Let's let's preface this. First of all, your puppy's getting bigger. I just saw him poke his head.
1: Oh it's no, that's a, the other one. That's the two-year-old. But I have a, right. the, the puppy. The puppy's right here, and he has got he has gotten bigger since the last time. He's probably, probably uh, pounds.
0: All right, I was gonna say <laughs> he, he's massive. So you know, we had a great conversation, a lot of fun, great feedback from our listeners, and then you had reached out wanting to ask a few questions about owning a box. And I'll let you kind of dive into that. But I said, of course, let me just record it. You know, for Fern and I get dozens of emails every day. And a lot of it is, how do you run a successful box? How do you do X? How do you do Y? How do you do Z? And, you know, I think it's nice to be able to point people there. And, and a lot of people are in your shoes where they've gotten their level one. And now they're kind of like, what, what do I do how do i run a box how do i gain this experience so i'm going to throw it to you brady and this is going to be a reverse interview you're going to ask me the questions i'm going to answer sound like a plan yeah let's do it so so give us that brief kind of synopsis of what you were saying before we hit record so people have an understanding of your mindset and where you're coming from
1: yeah so i had a couple of questions uh two really really two big questions one being how to open up a gym and make it successful um you know, not everybody is Rich Froning and Jason Klepa, these people that are these awesome, piece, these awesome people. Let me stress that. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing them. Um, I just told you before I met Rich once at his, at his competition at his gym, and he was a great dude. Just from the, the three seconds that I shook his hand, I felt like he was a, a jam-up guy. Um, jam-up guy. Um, so yeah, there we go. There. Hey, uh, but he uh you know not everybody has those names where they've had a successful career and built an empire from their name, and again, great dude, you know he's earned every penny from from his career um but you know like what are you know what would uh how ha- i know you you've opened you've opened and opened and sold gyms we met, we talked about this a little bit last time uh but you know how would you how would you open like where would you start with opening up a gym from the get go and then you know what are what are some things that would that you that you would do to maybe make your gym as successful as it as it could be in a time where fitness has grown immensely and CrossFit gyms are growing constantly? There's gyms opening up all the time, so there's all, there's more competition than ever, and it's only going to grow. Um, you know, what well, can the- I interrupt
0: and say first, are you implying? I don't have the athletic prowess that a Rich Froning or a Jason
1: Kalipa have. Absolutely, so I, dude. Level four. Are you kidding me? That's, well, level four coach. <laughs>
0: level four coach.
1: Yeah, level four coach. Dude, you've got to have the fitness if you're, if you're an L4. Come on.
0: We had, we had a member of North Naples CrossFit where I coached. And the, one of the owners, his name's Matt Torres, who's been on the show with his partner, Dario. They're both phenomenal athletes. And people would come in and, and then they would get coached by me and they'd be like, wait, if those guys are level two and you're level four, you must be really awesome. And I'm like, wait, let, let me be clear. Awesome coaching. Not quite the fitness freaks that these yeah, guys are,
1: but, exactly.
0: but certainly there's, um, I think like anything, like you're saying, they they've earned that right. And, yeah. you know, I don't necessarily think a good athlete makes a good coach to be quite honest I think oftentimes it's the opposite and I think that is partly to do with my success I'm you know I'm five foot three according to my most recent physical five two and a half I, you know so I'm I'm not the, the biggest dude I'm I'm, a, I'm light I'm 140 pounds I've had to work hard for anything athletic I've achieved which hasn't been all that much in this world and you know I think because of that I've I've learned how to do things I mean I didn't I've talked about it in my book, and I talked about it on the show. I didn't have a muscle-up on day one. I had to work through it. You know, I still work to clean 185 or 225. So certainly, I think if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not a great athlete, that doesn't mean you can't be a great coach, and it also doesn't mean you can't own a successful box. So, you know, all that, all that aside, you've asked a really broad question. So let, let's break it down a little bit. The first thing I would say, and you're, and you're asking for you. Now you're not asking for a
1: friend, correct, Brady? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm asking for me. So, you know, I, I would
0: say let, let, let's treat it like reality. You know, we're recording this June 2nd, 2020. If somebody wants to own, own a box, you know, and despite the pandemic, let's kind of push that aside because there's a little bit of uncertainty there. But, you know, someone wants to open a box, I would say, first and foremost, you know, really make sure this is what you want to do. And I get the impression from you, you that you've thought about that, and it is. But for a lot of people, I think you know whether they're just starting CrossFit as an athlete, or you know someone that participates in CrossFit, or maybe even have their level one. It changes. It changes yeah. big time when you make that step from coach to to affiliate owner. Just like it probably did when you went from athlete to coach. All of a sudden, eyeballs are on you more. You walk into the gym, and it's not just your time away. It's, it's even when you're not working, you're working. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and and I didn't ever have that at first because I opened my box before there were other boxes. So I never knew that. But then when I moved and, and became a coach, I realized, Hey, there's a lot of fun to be had when I'm not the box owner, when I'm just a member or even just a coach. So you have to really make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. I, th- I think a terrible misconception in the fitness world is, uh, and I used to say this, and it's kind of like, you know, if you believe in something like the secret or manifestation where people would say, you know, you can get involved in this, but you're never going to get rich. You're never going to make a million dollars or whatever the expressions are. And, and absolutely you, you never will if that's your belief, but that would hold true in, in the gym. It would hold true in a business venture where you're the CEO. It can hold true as a, movie star, you know, it's, it's a really, you're, you're only limited by your beliefs. And, and that was my belief for such a long time. And, and it was e- easy to fall into that trap when I was making $8 an hour at Gold's gym. And, and in truth, when I opened my gym, I had if you would have told me in 2020, what, what life would have been like, you know, in 2006, I would have been like, this is crazy. What you, I'm just opening this CrossFit thing so I can work a little less and make you know a little bit more. If I would have been like, if you would have said, hey, you're gonna make thirty-six, forty-eight thousand dollars a year doing I would have been like, Yes, sign me up. That's you know, I would have I had no delusions of what this would have become. So hopefully I'm answering your question. Slowly but surely getting there. Step yeah. one. Step one, really make sure this is what you want to do. So have you have you thought about that? I think about it just about every day. <laughs> what what
1: makes you so convinced that this is what you want to do um you know it's just uh it's just something that I don't really know exactly it's just something that I you know I love to do and I would and I would love to kind of make a just make make my career out of it um I mean I spend an ample amount of time in the gym as a as a as a coach you know on top on you know as a coach and then then as an athlete. you know there's the old saying treat uh treat the place that you work at like you own it you know I try and clean up uh, I try and clean up as much as I can at my own gym. I actually remember uh back in the open uh when we when we retested the deadlift handstand push up deadlift handstand walk workout, me and some buddies had retested it uh, the four thirty class was getting ready to rock and roll that monday and a couple friends of mine had got got to the handstand walk. There were chalk marks all all over, um, and one of my gym, one of my gym owners he they didn't clean up their hand marks. Nothing bad against them. They just you know they were they forgot that, you know just like our conversation before you know they 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 had forgot to clean up and they were about to leave. Well, one of my gym owners saw it, and the four thirty class was about was about to get ready to roll. So he grabbed some spray and a hand towel and started cleaning and then i i saw it and i immediately got up to start cleaning it you know because i treat that place like it's my own you know it's you know it's a place that's impressive and
0: i certainly would have been lucky to have someone
1: like you coaching because yeah i
0: think a lot of people especially coaches if they're listening it's like your your job is not just to show up for this hour and leave like you need to be a bigger part of this gym and that means showing up 15 minutes before your class, you know, probably sticking around for yeah. 10 to 15 after, but also doing the little things. Like we used to say at, at Albany CrossFit, like if you're not willing to take out the garbage, you don't get to coach here. And, you know, to be able to do those little things. So certainly it seems like you're in the right mindset. And I think a lot of people need to reflect on that because, you know, it's a business, it's a job, but I think like anything, the more you care about it, the more things impact you, you know, you have to deal with Hundreds, hopefully, of, of of different human beings and how they respond to different things and and their thoughts, their feelings, their emotions. So you have to be ready for that. Now, if you are ready for that, so say Brady's like, "No, I'm ready and I want to do it." Okay. Well, first things first is, I mean, there's a maybe not first thing, but one thing that I always tell people they need to really think hard about is is their location because mm-hmm. when you open a new gym the one guarantee, the one certainty you're going to have every month when it comes to bill is that rent.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So there's this balance of, I'm starting a new business, so I don't want my rent to be astronomical. But at the same time, I'm confident and positive and want to grow to something. Yeah. So, you know, not really knowing where you are, you know, as far as, you know, what your options are, I would, I would encourage people to find a place that they can start small, but expand Mm -hmm. and that, you know, that, that's probably the biggest, one of the biggest reasons I was successful because I was never stressed about my rent. My rent was $850. When I first started, I got 10 members and I was already covering rent on day one.
1: Yeah. And so right? you're but,
0: saving money essentially. Correct. And, and not only are you saving money, but if you sign a lease, that's 2000, 3000, $4,000, it changes your mindset and it changes the way you run your business because now you know, I need to cover that. And that's just to break even, Yeah, you know, and that's, there's plenty of other expenses we're gonna throw on top of that. But if your monthly rent is $4,000, you have a lot to overcome before even considering paying yourself. And it doesn't matter how much you love coaching. If you're coaching and living on the streets because you can't afford, you know, rent yeah. for yourself anymore, we've got a problem. So yeah. and that can look like a few different things. It can look like one, finding a building where you ask the landlord, Hey, I'm only going to use this small amount of space. You know, it might be a bigger open area, but Hey, I'm only going to use these 800 square feet for now. Can I slowly grow into this entire space? And, and, and maybe it is a good time right now. Businesses are closing and I'm sure there are landlords that want, you know, tenants. So maybe that's one way I was lucky, you know, to do it on a racquetball court where I can expand to a second, third, fourth, but there's, you know, what, or maybe it's a strip mall where, the space next to you opens and now I can expand into that next door space. So first and foremost, find that location. And on top of that, consider the parking area.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So two things to go along with that. One is you can have this beautiful space that can accommodate a hundred members, but you have three parking spots. That's a problem. You know, yeah. obviously if you're in a metropolitan area, you know, parking could be a whole different beast, but you know, where you live or where I was, I wanted to have plenty of parking, so that was never an issue. But then also that parking lot doubles as additional space when needed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so you run MERF or you run some sort of community event and, and your space inside might not be able to accommodate everybody. At least now outdoors you have, you know, hundreds if not thousands of square footage of usable space.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That uh, You know, whenever I, I reach out to people who maybe have – not open up a business, but, you know, I've taken business classes or, you know, whatever, the biggest thing that they always say is location. And, uh, and, you know, just like you said, I know, I mean, breaking even is, is the most important thing at the end of the day, like first and foremost, in, in my eyes, at least is making sure that you can keep the lights on. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just hard because or at least for me, it's, you know, I would love, I, when I open up a gym, as much as I would love to keep it like a, like a mom and pop business where, you know, everybody knows everybody, you know, I would like to make a career out of it. And I just, you know, maybe you might disagree with this, but I feel like it's very hard to keep that small church mom and pop feel at a gym that wants to have 200 people.
0: There's definitely a tipping point I would say, Yeah. you know, but, but I think a lot of people, you know, and again, if I were to do it if I were to really think about it and do it again, i would I would go one of two directions, kind of like mm-hmm. what you're saying, where it's that mom and pop feel or this huge massive space where I'm trying to get a thousand people and running it, yeah. you know, with with specialty classes and and this, and you have to decide that. But from an from a stress perspective, that mom and pop idea is great. and think about it. Like I think people forget. like you really only need at most one hundred members to run a very successful CrossFit affiliate. Yeah. And and I say that for a few reasons. Like when there's these CrossFits that feel like they're competing with one another, it's like you even in the smallest of towns, you have thousands of people.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
0: no reason you can't get a hundred, maybe even only fifty of them, because rent might be cheaper in that area. Yeah. And run a successful gym. If you open a gym and you had a hundred people and let's just to use even numbers, you know, paying $200 a month, you know, that's $20,000 a month. Even if your expenses are 10, which would be very high, you're making six figures. Like yeah. that's a great career to do something you love. And I've, I've never, I've never looked at it like that. Yeah. And I mean, and those numbers are it, it, typically, I would say you're that $10,000 expenses much lower. So there, yeah. there's certainly a point when I say there's a tipping point there's a tipping point to, you know, when the stress outweighs what you're bringing in and there's a tipping point to where, you know, it does go from like, it's very hard to treat this like a community vibe. And it's, it's probably about a hundred, you know, there's books out there, like a book, I believe it's called tribes um, by um, Seth Godin, where he talks about like, you know, there, there gets to be a number where it's the tribe inevitably splinters into multiple tribes. Yeah. And, and, and and this goes back to kind of one of the things I would think about is assuming you want to own a box, like what do you want that culture to be? Do you, you know, sounds like you have like a good religious, spiritual practice. Like, do you want it to be like, Hey, we're closed on Sundays. Hey, we don't curse here. Hey, kids are welcome. Hey, you know, all of these things. Great. And you need to preach that, you know, no pun intended from the, <laughs> from the top down. Right. Versus the guy that's opening. Cause they are, super into the sport of fitness and they want it to be a box where don't bring your kid and we curse and we scream here and we take our shirts off like it has to be something that you're passionate about and I don't think like that all you know that ladder would would be what you're looking for so you need to and you need to impart those rules and those strategies on day one that's something I learned very early on like all right, I'm opening my box. It's going to open on, you know, July 1st of 2020, and there's only going to be a handful of people. But I know by the end of the year, I want 100 people, and I want people signing up for class, and I want them on time. Well, that has to be something you're willing to talk about on July 1st.
1: Yeah, that's good. So I, listen, I listened to a uh, Jason Kleep on the MyFit podcast yesterday, and he had talked about how he had tried to partner with somebody, and, you know, they're uh, – you know, they're uh, – passions and reasoning and all that didn't really align and uh or their core values I'm sorry their core values didn't really align and I was thinking about that and I I said uh you know people always say like what are your core values and you know you you know like I value like you know you know friendship you know people being trustworthy and all that but when it came to like opening up my own gym I was I I was talk I was really asking myself you know what would your core values be? And I was like, man, I just, I just don't really know. You know, because you need those core values to, for, for anything. In my opinion, you need, you need core values in, in, anything to make it, to make it, I guess, flourish. You know, to make a business. Let's say it doesn't have to be a the gym. Let's say you're opening up a, a new business. I think you need core values so that way you know what who the right people are to hire to work with, etc. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I
0: think you need that for anything in life. Yeah. Like- and your core values aren't gonna shift when it comes to, you know, being with your family versus being with the gym. Like you're you don't go from like, oh, I'm really spiritual, but then when I'm at the gym, I'm not. Yeah. Like, you know, you are, you are. Those that's why they're your core values.
1: Yeah. And so I think everything that you just listed about me, just off the top of your head, I if I open my my own gym up tomorrow, you know, those would be the things that those were actually the things that I learned and learned to appreciate, you know, because the gym that I train at, you know. Both, both owners go to church regularly. We actually, most of us go to the same church and, uh, you know, I mean, if you want to curse, that's fine. But you know, you like, we have kids around and parents, you know, you can't be, I had to learn this. I mean, when I, when I first started, I came in, like I said, I, on our, on our last episode, I, uh, I trained with a bunch of dudes that were around my age and, you know, we said whatever, did whatever. Um, so going into a gym where they're like hey man we don't we don't do that that was a huge culture shock and now I like I, I appreciate it you know because I would hate, I would hate to be a member at a gym bringing in my six-year-old kid and you know they're playing explicit Drake or you know yeah. whatever and they're hearing F this F that the in you know all of it it's just like man I don't I don't want my kid to listen to this he's only seven like I don't so I learned to appreciate that now you know that's one thing that I, that if I open up an affiliate now, especially now that you brought, you mentioned off the top of your head, those are things that I would, that I would do and that I do believe in.
0: Well, and it's important too. It sounds like the owners did a good job of, of sticking by their culture. You know, I've, I've seen this too often where a box owner, it's, it's so important to get every member to sign up that they will take on members that don't necessarily fit their culture, fit their vibe. and And those members quickly, you know, you know, the expression of one bad apple can spoil the bunch, you get one, one dude coming in cursing, and people are just like, put off and maybe stop. This guy comes into the five o'clock class, but you lose three people, because they don't want to be around that. And Mm -hmm. it's important for you to know that. And it's important for your, you know, your coaches don't all have to have the same exact core values. And I would be surprised if they did. But they have to at least respect yours. And for, I mean, there was a point in time where I had 20 coaches on staff. And We were all so different, but of course I was the leader and my core values kind of trumped everybody, but you know, an example I talk about in the book is, is one of my coaches, Dean, he and I used to butt heads all the time. And it really stemmed from the fact that he would never show up to the gym for certain events. And typically these events were on Sundays and it wasn't until he and I, we, we went out for coffee one day, we sat down and we just got talking and I realized how important You know, spirituality and family was to him. So Sundays were his family day, where they'd go to church and hang out. But you know, he didn't tell me this on day one. Yeah. And and once I understood that about him, it changed the way I thought about it. I never got mad at him anymore for not showing up because it was that it was important to him. Yeah. I knew I knew how important it was to him. So same principle here. You you have to know what those values are, and I would encourage anyone listening to to figure it out. You know, there's there's apps there's Websites, I, I, I'm a big proponent of. There's a there's a deck of cards that has your values on it that I used to do with myself and my coaches by a company called the Inspire Network. I'll try to find the link for that. But but you really, you need to know them about yourself, but then also about your coaching staff.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's good. Um, but then you know, uh, how how do you in a time where And then I have another broad question that we can maybe ease into for for a few minutes. Um, So in a time where CrossFit gyms are, CrossFit as a sport, whether it's a fitness methodology or a competitive sport, it's clear that it's here to stay. In a time where gyms are opening up pretty much regularly, you know, I'd say just around every corner, every city you you go to, you can probably, you can probably find a CrossFit gym to drop into. Um, You know, how do you, how would, you, how, would you, uh, how would you tell somebody to, to go about opening up, opening, up a, opening up that gym and then try – like how would you have them put out the best product that they can put out, I guess would be the best wording. I, again, it's a very broad question.
0: You know Well, Coach Glassman spoke about it, and, and it's probably the question Fern and I have gotten asked the most over the years. It's like, how do you run a successful affiliate? And what people are really saying is like, give me this checklist. Like yeah. what time do I run classes? What programming do I follow? What equipment should I buy? And and all of that is very important, but none is more important than like coach Glassman said, chasing excellence. Yeah. You know, and he used to say, you know, he would draw on the board a big E and a dollar sign. And he'd say, you know, if you chase excellence, you'll find this dollar sign, but if you chase this dollar sign, you're you don't necessarily exactly. And, yeah. and, and I think a lot of what we spoke about is really where that excellence comes from. And if you're, if you open a business that you're so passionate about like, like you are, the excellence will be there because you won't be able to do anything but that. You know, you, you won't be able to not clean the floors, not clean the bathroom, you know, not provide the best of the best for your members. So, I mean, first and foremost, that's what it has to be about. It has to be, you have to go from, I'm a CrossFit athlete or a CrossFit coach to I'm a box owner. And oftentimes that means I'm second behind the members but I have to be willing to put out the best of the best. Now, in order to do that, you have to be smart about some things. Obviously, you know, think about the programming you're putting out there. You know, think about why you're putting it out there. Think about yeah. the equipment you buy. All of the, all of those little things play a role in that idea of chasing excellence, but you, you just could never be satisfied, and you always have to be going above and beyond for your members. I mean, it's a, it's a customer service business, Yeah, and you have to I mean, really at the root of it, you have to enjoy being around people. I think part of the reason I like to check out and not be around people is because I spend so much of my time around them. And 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 I would I would add this on top of that. I would say make sure you don't neglect yourself either, or else you're you know, the old adage of, you know, put your mask on first or fill your cup first. Like I spoke about that in my book too, where you, you could chase excellence so hard that you don't chase it for yourself. You know, make sure you're you're taking care of yourself, if that means probably taking one class a day, focusing on your nutrition, your mental health, getting a good night's sleep, all of those things need to be important.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, I have one more question about this. I say, as of right now, I have one more. Who knows? I might have five more after this. I don't know. Um, this might be a little controversial for some people, but would you, do you think it's smart to go in with a partnership or just go in by yourself? Because for... Me, for example, I'm, in, I'm also in a rough spot because I don't know a dang thing about how to open up a business. I don't know anything well, about neither it. Neither
0: did I, neither did Fern, neither did Todd, you know, neither did many of the successful box owners that started in 2007 or 2008, 9, 10, et cetera, or currently. So you know, I'm probably one of the few people that have done partnerships and affiliates three different ways. My first box I owned 100% my second box, I owned 80%. And my third box, I own 50%. And, and there's pros and cons to each, you know, w- one thing you have to be aware of when you go into a partnership with someone is, it's basically a marriage. And it's a marriage, unlike, you know, your typical marriage where you don't get to have sex with this person. You know, yeah. <laughs> Hey, maybe you do, but, you know, but, but typically, it's more of a business relationship, which, which, you know, eliminates some of the fun. And, and you're stuck with this person so all things being equal I'd say it'd be great to to own it hundred percent now if you're in it with the right person it can be wonderful my you know m- my second affiliate where I owned eighty percent it didn't work out I wound up selling my my majority stake to my to my partner you know we we lost touch for quite a few years and we were best friends prior to that uh, now we're we've rekindled that and we're talking again so it's great but but as far as a partnership go, I I'd, I'd say it was a, a failure. Um, my my second partnership, 5050, I would consider a success, you know, and and I think part of that was we didn't have any expectations on friendship. We weren't really friends, we were just strictly business partners and and at that percentage of fifty-fifty, we both cared.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it it's stressful being the partner that cares more. Yeah. Especially if it's like pay is equal. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it sure if if you want to have a be the majority owner, so you have someone else who can coach. Because if you're a hundred percent owner, you know that might mean there's no vacation for a while. That might mean there's no weekends for a while. So you have to be aware of that. But it, and also financially, right? You have to be aware of do you have the money to to start this? I would I would say one thing I've I've seen over the years that I would encourage people not to do is take on investors. So. Whether you decide to have a partner that's putting in the sweat equity and the work like you are is one thing I would recommend against someone saying, Hey, I'm the main owner, but people own part of it because they gave me money because really uh, from a affiliate perspective, while you do need money, you need time more than anything. You need help running classes. You need help making decisions. You, you you, You need help cleaning the gym. You you can get by with less money, especially if, like I said earlier, you start small. And that's probably one of the, the other pieces of advice that I'd like to get out there is don't overdo it. Start small. You can always expand. And that goes for anything. The number of classes you're running, the number of days you're open, the number of barbells you have, you know, obviously right now it's a little harder to get equipment. But, yeah. but in, in typical times, you place an order with Rogue and you have new barbells at your door you know 3 days later yeah don't buy 20 barbells when you're opening your affiliate on day 1 i would have a very structured set of equipment i would be doing my own programming or you know even if you hire someone else's programming but really have an idea of exactly how much equipment you have i would assume you're running classes of maybe 8 to 12 so you get maybe six men's bar six women's bar because you don't know you know how many men and women are going to be there you get you know same, same deal for medicine balls. You get enough that most men can go RX, you get women's weights, you get scaled weights, you know, you don't need 12 of everything because you're most likely never going to have 12 RX men or 12 RX women. Yeah. So, you know, be, be smart about that. And then no, don't worry about getting more equipment to accommodate the programming, make the programming accommodate your equipment.
1: That's good. I've never, I've never, that's one thing I've never, I've never thought about. Um, Programming, I've you know I've thought about a little bit. Whenever the day comes that I finally get to open open up my gym, um, actually I was talking about talking about programming today with uh, with somebody. You know, I said, uh, you know, if I open up a gym or if I did programming and I couldn't afford to pay for a specific for a specific programming, like my gym right now, we're following NC Fit and love it. Like the workouts are good, and then on top of that, from a coaching perspective, you know, Jason gives us every piece of the entire day. You know, he gives us a warm up, a cool down, if there is one. He gives us a full breakdown of the stimulus and what we're looking for in our athletes for the specific workout for that day. That's great and all, but you know, I think that there, I think there's, there's a lot that goes into following a specific program because there's structure in those workouts. Um, so that's one thing that I that I really enjoy about about other about following a program is that there's structure. You know, some you know and- some people. I'm I'm all for that. Whether it's NC Fit, hand Plan,
0: you know, warm up and workouts. Yeah. There, there's great programming out there. Follow that. Look at that. But just you know, be be ahead of it. So you look at a day. You know. So the example I've used multiple times. You can use like a workout like Jackie. Yeah. Jackie is a thousand meter row, fifty thrusters with an empty bar, uh, thirty pull ups. Now we've run Jackie back in the day when I had my gym, and we used to cap classes at 16 and we had eight rowers. So that really means, okay, we're running Jackie. I need to think about this. And, and, you know, that doesn't mean you don't do Jackie or that doesn't mean you go out and buy eight more rowers. It just means you think, okay, NC fit is programming Jackie and it's probably starting at like 40 minutes into class. Cause it should be a 10 minute or less workout, but we have to stagger people in. So we have to adjust the programming. Now, Your members don't know that your members don't see that just you and your coaching staff see that. So that's what I would approach it from, you know, or if we wanted to do rowing, it would have to be intervals. It could be a you go, I go type of thing. So again, get good programming, follow something and it's probably something I would encourage people to pay for because you have a finite amount of time, 150 or $200 or whatever the programming costs is money well spent, but just be smart about it when it comes to the class and when it comes to putting that programming into action.
1: Yeah, that's good. All right, now I have one more very broad question. It's actually for some. It's what you, who you work for. How would somebody who has a level one and has aspirations of, you know, I have aspirations of owning a gym. We just talked about this, but I also have aspirations of of working. Cross with closely with CrossFit HQ, whether it's seminar staff or some other specific job in the business. Just let's just go ahead and cut it down to seminar staff. It's not, you know, it's not 2007, where you can go take your level one and then you have Greg Glassman running it with Dave Castro there on staff, and you can just kind of become friends with them in a sense, just from a conversation, and then bump into them again, and they're like, hey you want to come work for this CrossFit thing? You know, I'm I'm joking, but, you know, it's not in the early days where you can just meet meet people that are on seminar staff or work for HQ. You know, how would somebody who has their level one would like to take their level two and, you know, continue to grow, read more, take the level three and all that? Like, how would you, how do you go about getting on seminar staff, basically?
0: Yeah, and it was different back in the day. You know, it was a smaller world people did get to know you you know I I ran a competition in my parking lot in 2008 and from that Dave Castro knew who I was and I got involved in regionals and the games and 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 other other aspects but but it is different right now so if someone's interested in seminar stuff the very first thing we tell them is you have to have your level three so you know right there it's like okay you you need to achieve that and it's prestigious enough that it's 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 noted when someone gets it. I mean, especially now that social media is back up for CrossFit training, you know, they even put out there all the people that have passed the level three, you know, in in, in recent months, and, and they continue to keep that updated. So if, if you're asking Brady, I'd say, cool, go take your level two, and then plan to take your level three. Reasonably, like, hey, maybe early 2021, you know, would be the the soonest I would tell you, you know, you need some, who knows when you're going to have a level two nearby you, then you're going to pass that. And then you need to put the time into study. And you also need to have the the mandatory minimum number of coaching hours, which I'm sure you'll have. So step one is pass your level three, which is a big, a big task, right? Because a lot of people might only have their level one, or even if they have their level two, it's a tough test. So go pass your level three. And at that point, you know, there's a few things you can, you could be doing for one, when you do take your level two, do a good job. That'll get noted. You know, every every weekend when we coach level twos, we see a lot of people kind of average, like, hey, you're not terrible, but you're also not good. And the ones that stand out are like, wow, you you did really well. I can tell you coach, I can tell you're passionate about it. I can tell you're putting the 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 hours into it. So, you know, when you go take your level two, be sure that you're prepared, then go past your level three, and then it's really just a matter of, of of reaching out to CrossFit. You know, I'm not sure where on the site these days, but probably somewhere under seminars or, you know, of course you can reach out to Ferner myself and we'll put you in the right direction. But it, it it's it's somewhat luck of the draw, meaning, hey, does that area of the world need more trainers for seminar staff? And you know, what do they need more men? Do they need more women? So it is it it is a matter of right place, right time, but I can tell you having been involved for 10 years, it, every area eventually opens up. Yeah, You know, Florida might've been saturated a year ago. Three of us left for Colorado. Now, if you live in the Florida, you know, region, there's maybe more of an opportunity where maybe now in Colorado, not so much. So, you know, it's, it's a matter of right place, right time. And, and, and then just being consistent, following up with them, letting them know that you're interested. And then when it's time and you get that opportunity, to do your first internship just crush it you know it's it's doable for anyone it really is you just the the hardest part is is passing that level three but once you do that you've taken a big step and now it's you know just getting in touch and, and getting that opportunity to show up and intern at your first level one
1: yeah that's good okay i mean that's i mean that gave that that enlightened me more than I could even imagine, really. I mean, it's, you know, CrossFit has gotten so big and, if, you know, you're, you're, I'm, I mean, I'm as I'm knee deep into it. You know, I love everything about it. I feel like it's this, you know, it's on this pedestal and, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's feels impossible to, to reach to. And in in a sense, um, just because it's just because of how big it's gotten, I feel like, or at least for me, that's how I, that's how I felt. And that was, that was, You know, those that that and how to you know how to how to run a gym and how to open up a gym were two of the big questions that I wanted to ask you because, you know, I had especially the how to how to get in with seminar staff and HQ, like that's you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't even have known where to start, really. Well and CrossFits is awesome company that
0: really rewards people for putting in the time, putting in the effort. I've seen it on seminar staff, but I've also seen it in other in other roles, you know, the people that are high up at the games these days are the people that have been volunteering. You know, look at someone like Justin Berg, who's the general manager of the CrossFit Games, you know, this this amazingly huge event. He started by volunteering as a judge in 2008. You know, look at someone like Dave Castro. He started by, there's an old video out there, I'm sure it's still around, where Coach Glassman's like, this guy just kept showing up every weekend. And I realized on the weekends he'd show up, seminars would run better. So we asked him to stay. You know, it's, it's the same thing. I've seen, I've seen that there's this whole crew of judges. I'm sure some of them listen to the show that bounce around from Wadapalooza to the Granite games to, you know, the, the West coast Classic to all these different events. And it's like, they're the ones that get asked to judge at the games. They're the one that get asked to come back. So it's like anything in life. If you put in the time you put in the effort and you really show people that you care about it, it's going to get recognized. It might not be as fast as you want it, but it will happen. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's good. And you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't hop on here asking you, but pretty much asking you to put in a good word for me. So that way they can, you know, I know it's, you know, it's going to take years, you know, and I understand that, but you know, it sucks knowing that, or I say it sucks. It was hard knowing that. You want to do something knowing that it would take you forever, but you had no idea where to start. And that was really the basis on why I reached back out to you and said, Hey, how, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I've,
0: I've been asked that question, as as everyone on staff probably at least once every weekend and plenty of times in between. And it's, it's funny to see the people that ask that and then one day you're working beside them. Yeah. You know, so Yeah, it was a different journey in two thousand seven than it is in two thousand twenty, but it's still a a possible journey. You know, yeah, it it might it might be you know, yeah, I didn't have to pass my level three to get on staff where now you do. But at the same time, you know, we wouldn't want someone that's not willing to to put in that work, and and that's really the you know talk about culture and talk about value. That is the the value of staff. We know that anyone that we work with, it's like a trust. It's it's you know very trickled down from from the castros and that military mindset of i need to know that i can trust you and you have my back and when when someone passes their level 3 they're showing and they're saying to me i care enough about this i know what it took to pass that like and, and you did the same so you know we we want you a part of this team
1: awesome that's good that's good so
0: 2022 you'll have a box and you'll be on crossfit staff is that a goal
1: that i mean if it's 2022 or 2029, it'll happen.
0: All right. Well, that, yep. That's where it's got to start. And, you know, it's like anything, the juice is worth the squeeze. It's going to be, it's going to be hard, but I, you know, having had a couple conversations with you now, I have no doubt that you're going to put in the hard work and I have no doubt that with both of those endeavors, you'll be successful. So, and you I know that, it. you know, that I'm here for you, that Fern's here for you, that the
1: CrossFit community as a whole is here for you. So, speaking you know, of Fern, right. I need to I, we, I, I need to talk to that guy i I just want to sit down and hear about his basketball career oh, well wow. all you have got to do is listen to any episode and you can <laughs> hear about that. I think it's awesome that he was a
0: division one college basketball player <laughs> i'm gonna I'm gonna edit this part out of
1: the- <laughs> <laughs> you're more fit but it's you know it's so cool it's funny
0: I think if you lined up Fern Todd and myself I'd say most people would look at us simply look and and point at me as the fittest i'd like to say i have the fittest looking physique <laughs> but but those two are uh, exceptionally fit especially when you look at their physique fern fern especially you know i think i think when you've been an athlete and you've been fit your entire life some of that just never goes away and fern's a military guy division one athlete so he definitely has the the mental strength to be fit but as far as conversation goes I'm the guy you want to be talking to. (laughs) That's right. Well, I'm glad I can help, Brady. Um, And of course, you know, for you or for anyone listening, if you have questions like this, it's fun. You know, we often do the question asking, but it's nice to be asked. And it's, you know, the reason I wanted you to come on the show again is because you're not the only one. And now when someone sends us an email, when someone sends us a DM, I can shoot them a link to this episode and be like, go listen. So Served many purposes, which is one thing you'll have to do as a box owner. You'll have to uh, multitask and multi-purpose. So yep. I'm, I'm just teaching you what I've learned.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Well, thanks very much. Thanks
0: for coming on again. Thanks for asking some great, great questions, and look forward to chatting with you again. And look forward to seeing you at your box and on staff one day.
1: Yep, come on.
0: Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor, head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself. Hit us up, besthour of at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at best hour of their day. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community. And you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Best hour of their day.